now, we have been in Colossians. Uh, it has been fun. We've had a couple of weeks break with Wilbur and Michael. Um, but, but what we're going to do now is we, we're sort of hitting the, the application a bit. So if you're just coming in now and you haven't heard the last few sort of the last whole bunch of weeks. I'm really sorry that you're coming in sort of at the wrong end, but it's a good end to be in, but it's, it's, we've already been told about the great love of Christ, the love of God for us and everything that he's done for us. And now this is the kind of the call to response thing. So it's going to be a lot of that in the next few weeks. And in fact, what we're going to do is we're actually going to slow down so that we can do it well. Uh, so next week we're only going to do a couple of verses and we're going to talk about husbands and wives and those, how those relationships function really well. Uh, we're going to talk the next week after that about, um, uh, that'll be slaves and masters. Oh, no, that's the one. No, yeah, parents and children. And then the week after that, slaves and masters, which you might recognize as your workplace. I don't know if it's everyone. Um, and, and so we've, we've got a few different topics. So what that means is if, you're, if you have something to do with that topic that you'd really love to see addressed or you've got a question about one of those topics, um, then, then email it in to me or give me a call and have a chat about it. And we'll make sure that, the, that we're addressing the, the issues that are actually you guys are facing, the, the trying to sort of actually make this stuff as practical as we possibly can because it's the practical end of the letter. So um, any of those topics, have a read through the next little bit of Colossians. Any questions you've got about that or things you'd love to hear addressed from the Bible, uh, let me know in advance. That would be really, really helpful. So we do a good job of it. All right, uh, we're talking peace and love today, peace and love in Colossians. We're going to start, I'm just going to start by making two random observations from the text. Uh, they sort of stand alone, but then after that, just about every other observation that I can make is like a snowball leading to the same place, and hopefully it'll be blindingly obvious by the time we get there where um, God is trying to take us. So join me for a couple of fascinating tidbits, and then roll down the mountain. Should be good. All right, have a look. Chapter 3, verse 12. I'll read it out for us. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Just going to stop there before we even put anything on. You see, the very first thing that I noticed here is that you have to remember who you are. You see, if you're chosen by God, if you are set aside for his purposes, if if you're deeply loved by God... Well, the passage is almost like, well, this is just what you'd do. All of these beautiful things, you would put them on. The way it's phrased, you could rephrase it, put these on like someone who's chosen and loved would do. Because that's what you are. That's who you are. And that's why this list, this list of things to do, so put on, what does it say there, verse 12. Um, put on kindness, sorry, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint with another, forgiving each other. You see, that list of things, do this, 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 will be powerless to someone who doesn't know God as deep, deeply as their good father. See, it's only as a beloved, as a chosen person, as a holy person, as someone who knows that, that that's their story that this list will actually have power because the motivating love is missing. It's just a list of, hey, do stuff, which is not a lot of fun. The power behind it just isn't there. The sense, the sense of being special to God that would make it natural for me to make changes in my life wouldn't be there. You see, I don't know what you're like when you get up in the morning. I am cranky. I'm not a morning person. Uh, but, but this sense of being special to God well, when you, when, you, when, you, when you go to work each morning, do you have a sense that you are special and this day is special? Holy. 
Do you have a sense that you're set aside for a holy task to be this human who acts like God, a professional child of God, right? Uh, a specialist in treating people with a love that they don't deserve. That's what your God's like. Walking into your office, into your lecture theatre, into your brewery, distillery, whatever it is you do, as a master in acting like God with, and with that as your task for the day. Anyone who hasn't died with Christ and risen to a new life, well, they don't have that sense. They can't. They, that's not their story. But you do. That is your story every day of your life if you follow Christ. Chosen, holy, loved. You are special and this day is special. Now, what if you're a Christian and you don't feel like that? You don't feel like each day is special. You don't feel holy. You know, days are just days. Work is just work. Nothing, things are just not that important. Well, could be a different. Could be a few reasons why. Maybe you just don't tell yourself the true story about yourself each morning before you go to the office, before you go to the crib, before you go to the pantry, before you go to the desk, the school, the supermarket. You haven't actually stopped to tell yourself what's true about yourself in your day. I need to preach the gospel to myself every morning or I muck up the day. I just do. That's not, that's, not, that's not me telling you what the Bible says. That's just me reporting my reality of life. What do you tell yourself in the morning? Or, what, or maybe it's you don't tell yourself anything and so your own random thoughts, your negative thoughts, are the ones that tell you the story about yourself in the morning. Or maybe it's the story that others tell you about yourself. The story your boss tells you about your career. Tell yourself the gospel in the morning. Or maybe you don't feel deeply loved by God. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why you don't feel energized to serve God in this day. Could be that. Now, either way, whether it's I haven't got that sense of this story or I don't feel that God loves me, the way to change your behaviors is the same to go to Jesus, to be rooted and built up in him, as chapter 2, verse 7 says. Don't just grit your teeth and say, oh, I've got to do better. I've got to follow that list. No, you've got to go to the source. You've got to do it as someone who is chosen, as someone who is loved, as someone who is holy. And let Jesus tell you the story of your life. Listen to what he has to say about you. I love you. You are special. You are holy. You are set aside for a special task. And seek out his love for you. Meditate on it. Ask him about it. Be curious about his affection for you, his favor on you. Go to Jesus. All right, first random point. Second random point. It, this was just a bit funny. As I, as I worked through um, the, the Greek text, as I was going through verse 12 here, the first thing that God asks his people to put on is a, is a word called splankna which I think is just cool because it sounds just hilarious and great. And it, and it means guts. Literally means your guts. So I thought, okay, put on guts. We might not be dealing with a literal definition here. I hope not. Uh, so I looked down at the definition and I've got this, this um, reader's version of the Greek New Testament and it's got like the words that are not so common down the bottom, like sort of just give you a little translation. Uh, and I, I, I swear to you, I looked down at the bottom and it said, plain as day, sitting there on the page of my Bible, therefore put on, go down to the definition, Feelings. And I'm there like, hold on, I'm Presbyterian. This can't be right. 
This, this, this has got to be a mistake. Um, uh, what else could it mean? What, what, it can't just mean that. That's what it says. And, and in most English translations, as you can see, it's rendered compassion. But if you think about the literal definition, guts, and in the Hebrew, you know, your emotions sit in your guts, and the definition my read is Greek Bible, feelings, maybe a good definition might be empathy. Empathy. Put on empathy. Feelings that we have with people, because the list is all about things that we do with other people. You see, I'll tell you what, what empathy means. If you're with someone, and they, have, they are responding to something, Empathy is when we don't disconnect from our own feelings when that situation is uncomfortable for us. But instead, we remain with that person in their feelings and we remain with ours rather than leaving, rather than being disconnected, only being, oh, I'm there in my head, but really my, I'm, so I've already got pretty, some pretty thick walls up here because I don't want to feel whatever it is that they're feeling. That would be dangerous. I don't want to be vulnerable to how sad you are See, there's lots of situations where our feelings are kind of inconvenient. I mean, your friend confesses that they've been caught up in a particular sin and you might feel awkward about being in that conversation. You'd prefer them to change the topic, quite frankly. Someone talks about how they've been treated, uh, maybe even abused, and you're like, but I don't feel like I can help them, so I don't feel like I've got anything to say because I can't help, or I, I don't know how to, or should I, should I validate what they're saying? Or, and you don't know what to say, and so you feel uncomfortable, and so it's hard to be there and to be with. That person needs you to feel with them, to have empathy, to put on feelings with them, for them. See, there's more than one way to listen to someone. You can listen to someone without paying any attention. <laughs> Not so good. Or you can just pay attention with just your mind. Yeah, that's rough. Okay, sure, whatever. They've just told you that their marriage is falling apart. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's not so good, is it? But your heart is as absent from them. Or we can attend to people with our whole self. You had that happen to you? Someone listened to you like they listened with every bit of their being and you mattered to them? And what you were saying mattered to them? It's beautiful. I don't mean being melodramatic. I just mean being truly caring. Letting their feelings affect yours. This is, just what, this is just classic biblical teaching, isn't it? We mourn with those who mourn and we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And so put on feeling, put on empathy, put on the guts to be in real relationships with each other. All right, a couple of quick observations. Now it's snowball time. Now this is all going along the same track. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh, hopefully nice and easy. Now, what we're going to do just pick up bits and pieces that, that should all roll together, but, but so that we can take to heart what God is saying here to us collectively at soul. Now, have a look at verse 13. The first observation I want to make here is all of the one another's. There are a lot of one another's here. Verse 13, bear with one another. Um, Forgive one another, also verse 13. Teach and admonish one another, verse 16. These, these are all instructions for how the Colossian Christians were to treat other Colossian Christians, right? Take, starts the ball rolling. Second thing to see in here. All of the yous in this passage are plural yous, meaning multiple people. Like, it, it, this, is, this, is how you would, it, this is how you would use the second person plural if you were from some parts of Brisbane. So how yous doing? All right, that's, that's, that's where I come from. That's how we talk, okay? Um, if you're in deep South America, how are you all doing? 
It's saying, hey, you as a group, you guys, you guys might even be a phrase you might use. And all of these yous here are users. They're those. It's a pity they don't translate it that way in the Bible. It'd be nice if they had, you know, you know uh, sort of that, the Bogan version would be nice because then we would get it better. And see, it would be, if, if that was true, it would actually be obvious that this verse here does not mean, as I've heard, do you guys know the song? Let the word dwell in you richly as you teach and as you learn. You've heard that, that version, let the word dwell in you. It's got that swing version, but I can't sing, so I'm going to sing it. Um, let, let his word dwell in you richly as you teach and as you learn. It makes it sound like he's talking about something internal and personal to you and the scope of the conversation is all about your life, Right? But actually what it's saying is, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you as you all teach and correct each other. He's not saying you should read the Bible a lot in your quiet time in the morning. It's saying, talk about the Bible together. Listen to what Jesus says together. Encourage each other. Talk to each other about it. Point it out to each other if you see things that someone has not quite picked up on. This is communal advice to a community the whole way through. Okay, that's the second observation. Third one. This list is about how you treat other people. The list that I'm talking about here is the one that starts in verse 12. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. You see, you can't do that. They're not, they're not qualities that you can work at on your own. It's not like strength. Like, I can, I don't, but I can work at strength on my own. Right? I can do that. Um, I can work at um, perseverance on my own. I can't work at forgiveness on my own. Someone has to be a jerk to me to, for me to, to, to flex that muscle. Someone has to be annoying for me to learn forbearance. And for that, I need to be with people. They're all with people things. Third observation. The uh, next one is... Um, fourth observation is... Sorry, one of them... I missed one of them in the slides, sorry. So there's only four up on the slides. The fourth observation is that the goal of this section is unity. Have a look at verse 14 with me. Verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. See, love towards unity. Now, first of all, why love? Well, because that's what makes all of the tips and tricks these, hey, forgiveness is the way to go. Hey, compassion's the way to go. Feeling with each other is the way to go. Kindness is the way to go. It's, that's, love is what makes all these tips and tricks and techniques work to bring genuine unity. See, you can put on empathy. That's actually it's kind of selfish. It's to make you feel like you're this wonderful counselor and you're so good. You can do forgiveness. That's a bit self-righteous. Yeah, I just let it go because, you know, I'm amazing. You can, you, you can do all of these things. What else can you do here? Um, where's the list? Where's the list? Sorry, I prepared from the wrong Bible and I found this Bible, which is my old Bible, got excited and picked it up and now I don't know where anything is anymore. Um, humility. You, you, can, you, can, you can do that in a way that's actually all about you. And if we do all of any of these things in ways that are actually about us rather than about the other person, well, my forgiveness will be incomplete. My corrections of others will actually be self-serving. My teaching and admonishing my brothers and sisters will be self-righteous. If we obey these instructions without love for the other, it won't bring about the kind of unity that is the point. Because we will use these tips and tricks, but they'll be self-serving. And every good thing in this passage will become perverted instead of completed. 
which is where Jesus wants to get us to. That's the goal, unity, not good individuals. So don't read this and think, oh, I've got to be a better person. I want to be the best me that I can be. No, 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 no. Read this and think, yeah, unified community. People where we treat each other well, that's, that's the goal. To put it crudely, being a good human being is a means to the end of being a good community for each other. And you can see that again, last observation, we are one body. We're one body. Why should the peace of Christ rule in their hearts? Because they were called to be one, one body. Now, hopefully you can start to see what some of the bits of snow in the snowball are, where the momentum of this is leading. This is not a be the best version of you. This is about how to make church family whole, how to make us connected. So if that's where all this is heading, what do we do? Let's pick up a couple of the instructions, a couple of things here, and we'll work out what they mean. Uh, Someone even reflected at Growth Group this week um, that this seemed like an impossible task. The first one here. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. That's verse 15, I think it is. Yep. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Um, my, my heart's not always peaceful, you know. I can't control that. It's like, my, um, it's like my Italian friends tell me, like there's no point in telling an Italian to calm down. It's like I'm Italian. I can't calm down. I don't have that facility. And thankfully, that's not what this verse is saying. What does the peace of Christ mean here in this verse? See, I read it and I think, okay, yes, Jesus loves me. That should make me feel peaceful. But I don't think that's what this verse is saying. Christ died, yes, to make peace between me and God. And yes, that gives me a deep peace and settled peace in my heart. But here, we have had our attention drawn to the peace that it brings between people. Uh, I mean, the, the verse just before this, there is no Greek, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, there is no Chinese, Russians, Indians, Persians, even the Welsh are included. Like the, there's, there's no mainlander versus Taswegian divide, rich, poor, young, old. We are called to the peace of Christ as one body, this unified entity in love. And Jesus died for that. Like he takes that seriously. He didn't just die for you individually, though he did. He died to have that, to have a one unified body, which means that the peace of Christ rules our hearts when we refuse to let our differences, our strife, our frustrations with someone else at church, even their sin, even our sin, destroy the unity that he died to achieve. The peace of Christ rules in my heart when because of Jesus, I choose to love that brother who's wronged me in this room. It's not always like that. Like, is there someone at church that... Is there someone at church that you kind of just end up sitting on the opposite side of the room of? Like, it's not that you don't, it's not that you don't, wouldn't be happy to talk to them. You say hi to them, but you just, you just, you've, something happened in the past that got awkward and you just never bothered to put the energy in to make it unawkward. Maybe it wasn't even a fight, but you never regained unity. You never put the energy in and said, hey, I love you, brother. Now, the first time, oh, I kind of thought it was a bit awkward. I didn't think you did. The peace of Christ rules our hearts. I might want to rage at someone, but I don't have that option because Christ died that that would be unified. My job is to go to them. Now, this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that, um, that I don't... Uh, oh, well, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Sorry, getting ahead of myself. <laughs> See, this is not an optional extra because Jesus died for this. And so whatever emotions you are feeling, and so remember, this was, we said, yes, put on feelings, but this is, these are the ones, these feelings, they can't rule us. 
Your anger can't rule your treatment of people at church. Your indifference can't rule your treatment of people at church. Your outrage, disgust, or anything in your heart that is not... That is not what determines what you do or what is right to do. The peace of Christ determines what is right for us to do with each other. All right. Peace of Christ must rule. Second thing we do. Forgive, don't forget. Forgive, don't forget. See, if we have anything against anyone here, it says forgive them. Now, what does forgiveness actually mean? Forgiveness means to, to release someone from the retribution that you might rightly feel that you could expect to exact from them appropriately. That would be the right thing to get out of that. Now, how do you do that? How do you release someone from that? Well, you'll need to tell someone about it because otherwise it will store up in your heart. Definitely need to tell God about it. Probably need a pers- to tell a person about it and possibly tell the actual person themselves. See, unity doesn't mean no conflict. As we've seen, it, it doesn't mean not awkward <laughs> We have to do awkward to get to unity. Uh, what it does mean is that our love for each other will be, make us willing to go through some awkward and through an uncomfortable conversation so that our sadness about a difficulty won't become bitterness at a person. Or our worry, oh, did they think that I didn't care about them in that? Won't result in a, oh, but I'm not going to go talk to them about it and then for the next three years I don't talk to them because I'm freaked out that they don't like me or they think I don't like them. Or that our pain at the way someone treated us would become wrath and hatred at them that that wound would fester and mature into maybe even contempt. No, we have to name things, speak about them. We forgive, but we don't forget. We don't pretend. We don't be in denial. We, can't, we, we can be so scared of talking to someone who's hurt us that we can pretend that we're not hurt, and, and, and that causes friction and, and wound, infection. Now, a little tip, by the way. A little tip. If, if you, how do you tell someone that they've hurt you? How do you fix something that's gone wrong? There's, this, there's a little tip that I think, I think actually implements all of these things of humility, meekness, kindness, patience, right? Um, it doesn't assign motive. It doesn't assume the other person's the problem. It even, in fact, leaves it open that I could be the problem, that my response could be the problem. It's beautifully humble in that way, right? And it says, when you did this, I felt that. Just go to someone and say, hey, this happened, right? You did that. And this was my response to that. Now, you haven't told them they made you feel that way. It could actually be that you've triggered some old past wound of yours and you get to actually confess, I had that response. And by the time you talked it all out, you realise, yeah, it was my fault I had the response. But I did have it and now we can talk about it. Or they might say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I was insensitive. I was a jerk. And they might be able to have forgiveness that way. But there's also a humility to it in the way that... So one way to do it, one good way to start the conversation about forgiveness is, hey, look, when this happened, when you did that, that's how I felt. Can we talk about that? that, Would that be okay? All right. Point number three. We let his word dwell in us richly. Brothers and sisters, we have church on a Sunday and it's like the most religious-y thing that I've, like, in the week, right? It's like an hour of, like, full religiousness. It's like the, the, the most... This is your chance to talk about the gospel here with another human being right now, church. This is the place for it. Um, don't give up this opportunity to grow, to find support from someone else who's thinking through spiritual things, to find empathy and the love that will bring you to completion in the church. If you don't talk about the gospel, if you don't talk about your Christian life, if you don't talk about spiritual things here, where are you going to do it? I 
don't talk about spiritual things after church as much as I would like to talk about spiritual things after church, and I'm the minister. Please come and talk to me about those things. I'd love to. We need a new normal, I think. Share a Bible verse that encouraged you last week. Ask someone to pray for you that you'll read a Bible verse that will encourage you this week. That way, you don't have, that way if you're thinking, look, oh, man, I haven't even read the Bible last week. I don't have anything to say. Say, hey, can you pray for me that I will read something this week? Why not make it a psalm? Why not ask someone what hymns and spiritual songs they've been listening to in their playlist that encourages them? Why don't you tell someone that Jesus loves them? Why don't you confess to someone that you don't feel like Jesus loves you? Why don't you remind someone of the true story of their life, the gospel story, that they're loved and holy, cherished by God, set apart for a special task? Let's let the word of God dwell among us richly. It's not a case of you should discuss the sermon after church. Like, you know what I mean? It's something bigger and richer and beautiful, more beautiful than that. Now, you might be here and maybe you don't believe any of this Jesus stuff is real. That might be you this afternoon. And if so, really cool that you're here. Um, I'm really stoked. These are the things that we think about in response to the way that God's loved us. We're thinking about how can we make this place the kind of place that is that we're training ourselves to be the human beings who are, who are heavenly, who are going to be the kind of human beings you want to, want to hang out with in heaven. And I, and I hope that a little part of this, we don't get there, but I hope that a little part of this will whet your appetite. Well, if, if I could start to become the kind of human being who you'd want to hang out with in heaven, Maybe Jesus is a place to investigate, to talk to, get to know about. And lastly, what if you are a Christian, but you don't feel like you're anything like these, these, these things? If these, all these applications feel so far from your experience. Same thing we all do. Same thing we'll do every day. We head straight to Jesus. Do not pass go. Yes, collect 200 bucks if you can. That's fine. But go straight to Jesus. Okay. Let him remind you who you are. In fact, let me remind you who he is, this Jesus guy that I'm talking about. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. That guy, you think he can't change your heart if you're having a rough morning? You think that he's not on your side if he died for you? though he's actually the one that you were made for him, not the other way around. You see, he selected you. He set you apart for this very special task, made you holy, and he loves you dearly. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and loved. That's your story. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> preaching to myself and, and just feeling the, the importance of the words as, as I say them in my own heart because they haven't sunk in deep enough to me, God. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you give each of us a, a holy task each day and that we are holy and special for it. Thank you that you chose us. Heavenly Father, we just pray that we would... Have that be our story for each day. That that would give us the power, the fuel to want to grow in these things, to put on these things. 
but not in this individualistic, oh, I'm supposed to be good and I've got a grading sheet coming up from God, but because I want the person sitting next to me at church who's new to be loved and so I'm going to work at loving them. I want the person sitting in the other side of church I haven't talked to you for ages to know I really do care, so I'm just going to go and tell them, Father, we pray that you would build this church into a place that has been finished, completed. It's going to take us a lot of years, but that, that we would get there in, completed in love. And we pray that so that everyone would know just how awesome Jesus is when they see the change that he's made in us as a family. We ask that in Jesus' name for his honour and glory. Amen.